Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Now, I had never thought of Maimonides, one of the greatest Jewish thinkers of all time, as someone who might be a fan of rom-coms. Now, Thank you to Jeffrey, who, after the early service, reminded me that Maimonides, who is also called Rom-Bomb, is actually the perfect fan of a Rom-Com. Um, I, I thought it was funny. Um, so Rom-Com, if you don't know, is a romantic comedy. And I have a crazy feeling that Maimonides would have been a big fan of the 1993 classic Groundhog Day. Now, who isn't a big fan of Groundhog Day? If you haven't seen it or if it's been a while, um, you might remember, or I'll tell you, Bill Murray's character, Phil Connors, was a weatherman who was sent to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog, as he determined whether or not there would be an extra six weeks of winter. In a fluke of the space-time continuum, Connors finds himself repeating the same day over and over again with everything and everyone exactly the same except for that which changes when his own actions change. He's the only one with any memory of the day before. And while we see 34 versions of the day in the film, director Harold Ramis says that he envisioned the entire process taking somewhere between 10 and 40 years of Connors living the same day over and over again. Now, just in case you missed the beginning of the service and didn't rewind your YouTube, Maimonides, or Rambam's explanation of complete repentance, teshuva, coming from that word shuv, return, is when the sinner returns to a similar situation and doesn't repeat the transgression. The repentant sinner has learned from his or her mistake, has been guided by the Torah's commandments and values to better themselves. And when they return to that similar situation, a time in which they could slip into the same mistakes as last time, they don't. They do better than they did before. This concept originates in the Talmud 1,800 years ago. And Rabbi Yehuda gets extremely specific with his example of one who performs teshuva. He spoke of an extramarital affair or an incestual relationship. And in emphasizing the importance of the exact same scenario repeating itself, 
He said that someone had to be with the same person in the same place, having the exact same feelings and not repeat their transgression for true repentance to have occurred. Now, rather than focusing on one particular sin, I think Groundhog Day is actually a much better example of teshuva for us today. Because Connors, who begins the film as someone concerned only about himself, after experiencing the same day somewhere between 3,600 and 14,000 times, finally learns humility, concern for others, and kindness. And only after he lives the perfect day, anticipating the needs of others, putting them ahead of his own, only then is he able to move on. This film was extra relevant to so many last year especially, as staying at home to protect ourselves and others led to a monotony in which we often weren't sure what day of the week it was or what distinguished one day from another. Now, I can speak most directly to the experience of working parents, especially with small children, who were given both the opportunity and challenge of a lot more time at home with our kids. And I know I never lived that perfect day. Like over 50% of those surveyed by Pew, so many of us found that, <laughs> excuse me, that as we worried about the mess that was our Zoom background, the challenges we faced often took the foreground over the opportunities. Yes, we found creativity we never knew, channeling our inner elementary school art teacher the best we could. We shared family nights like we remember from growing up, and we had more bedtimes together sharing intimate moments as a family that we'll always cherish when we look back at this period. But we also grew frustrated as tempers shortened. We became more reliant on screen time for our kids and perhaps for us as well. And as we've seen in meme after meme on Instagram and Facebook, alcohol consumption increased for 25% of Americans with that number doubling for parents with children ages five to seven. <laughs> Many of us dealt with stress in unhealthy ways. Now, there were unique challenges for everyone. For Tom Hanks, it was solitaire. Granted, he admitted in his Wall Street Journal essay, I had no Zoom schooling sessions to enforce, no children to parent, no job to perform remotely, but with each game of solitaire, he would think of the tasks he could be accomplishing with his time, the way he could be improving his life. But solitaire would always win out. Now, it wasn't all missed opportunities. Just as Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day used his day on repeat to learn French, piano, and ice sculpting, many of us did pick up new hobbies. We started exercising regularly. If I had $10 for every time I saw a Facebook post of one of our members who got a Peloton over the last year and a half, we would have been able to put a hold on Torah Circle for this year. Jason and I got a water rower, so it wouldn't have counted. And many of us did read that book we had always wanted to read, or at least we started it. 
Teshuva also involves identifying things that we do want to repeat, positive changes that we want to ensure remain with us. So to look back at the past 540-ish days since COVID entered our lives is to perform the act of teshuva. And we don't have to find ourselves in quarantine again in order to live differently as a result of our experiences. Over these 10 days, we each have the opportunity to ask ourselves, what are the ways we've improved? How do we ensure that we maintain those things even as life returns to a little bit more normalcy? And are there areas in which we've moved backward in our slinky of time? Developing bad habits or seeing qualities in ourselves that we're less proud of. Tom Hanks has vowed to never play solitaire again, although it's most likely not something that simple. Even in a non-COVID year, we develop or nurture bad habits. And this is the time to work to turn them around. We also remember that attempting to better ourselves is not to berate ourselves for that which has passed. As we look back at the past year and a half, it's also a time to think about our other task these high holy days, which is forgiveness. Forgiving others for their faults during a stressful time and forgiving ourselves for not always being who we wanted to be. And even as we each perform the individual work of our own teshuva, we also think about our greater society over the past 18 months. Early on in the pandemic, we saw a unification like we would expect to see as we faced a national crisis. Teenagers were helping seniors to learn Zoom and how to order their groceries online. We were thanking our delivery people and grocery clerks for their sacrifices. And I was living just across the river from um, Tampa General Hospital at the time. And I will never forget the hooting, the hooting and hollering that took place out our windows every day as hospital shifts were changing. That seems like a distant memory today as we see fights over mask mandates and personal freedoms versus communal responsibility. As we mourn 650,000 American lives, over four and a half million deaths worldwide, what have we learned? So here, once again, we return to the wisdom of our people, to our Torah, the tree of life. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, experiencing freedom for the first time in generations, how did we celebrate our freedom? We accepted the laws of Torah. Freedom didn't mean an escape from structure and expectations. Freedom meant accepting the law not because we had to, but because we wanted to for the sake of a better life and a better world. Accepting a greater moral standard moved us closer to the divine ideal, even if it meant we couldn't do whatever we wanted to do whenever we wanted to do it. Maimonides also lived at a time of adversity. He was born into an affluent family in the golden age of Jewish life in Spain, 
only to see that security vanish, having to flee his home at 13 as Jews came to once again be scapegoated, oppressed, and threatened. Rambam would continue to move throughout his life, living a Jewish exile that we had witnessed before and would witness again. And Maimonides saw this adversity facing the Jewish community as a time again to return to the law. The Mishnah Torah, the code of law from which his teaching about repentance comes, was written in order to make Jewish law more accessible to those who didn't have the ability or time to study the full Talmud, who were apt to turn away from their Judaism rather than return to it. As we look back at the past year, we, <clears throat> as we look back at the past year, we also reflect on rising anti-Semitism. And as we work to combat that anti-Semitism today, of course we look outward. We can't accept the anti-Semitic tropes that we see coming from too many areas in society. But we also look inward. Again, it's not about the same areas of Jewish law around which Maimonides would focus. But just as Maimonides looked at this time of adversity and said, we need to have expectations of ourselves. Even as people are trying to kill us, we have to live the way we know we should live. Well, friends, in today's world, we must have expectations for ourselves as well. Who are we as a people? How are we treating others? Hillel's voice should ring in our hearts. If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? But if I'm only for myself, what am I? So whether we look at the personal or the societal, we have an opportunity to think about how we can bring our own Torah into our own lives. Rabbi Dr. Nathan Lopez Cardoza writes that at Mount Sinai, we were given a set of laws that were intended to take a people from where we were 3,500 years ago and move us one step closer to where God wanted us to be. But if we're still there today, we haven't gone far enough. Cardoza reminds us that this process can't stop at Mount Sinai. If the Torah were written today, it would be different. And we can relive our ancestors' Mount Sinai moment when we ask ourselves, what expectations can I make of myself that will move me closer to being who God wants me to be? We relive that Mount Sinai moment when we ask the same thing of our family, our community, and our greater society. In a 2009 interview, Harold Ramis talked about how Groundhog Day was received equally by Jews, Buddhists, Christians, and psychologists. Each group came to him saying that the movie served as a metaphor for their ultimate goals. He was also amazed at how many times people would watch a movie about a day that repeated itself over and over again and the new things that they would tell him they learned each time they watched it. And he ended this interview by saying that as a Jew, he saw this film a little bit like the Torah. We read the Torah over and over again, year after year, 
reading the same stories. And the Torah never changes, but we do. As we grow, we return to the text as different people, hopefully learning new things from it, allowing it to inspire us in ways it couldn't before. We are not living in a Groundhog Day today. While we will always return to similar situations, the world around us is changing every day, and we are changing every day. And every single day presents opportunities that the day before could never have imagined. As we move forward, we pray that our ability to look back at our past will give us guidance and strength. We look to the story of each of our families. We look to the story of the Jewish people. And we look to the path each of us has taken in our own life. We celebrate our growth and identify areas in which we still need to grow. And we strive to ultimately leave a world for our children in which they will return to the choices that we made. And they'll be inspired to have their own Mount Sinai moments as generations to come continue what is a never-ending journey of trying to take one more step forward toward being that which God wants us to be. Kenya Hiratzon, may this be God's will. Amen. Amen.